Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. I don't know about you, but there have definitely been times in my marriage where I have said, I feel like I am speaking to an alien. Everything I say, do, talk about, it's like I'm trying to communicate with someone who speaks a completely different language than me. We've had so many people contact us at Marriage Helper who have this same issue where they feel like every conversation they have, if they try to talk about anything from chores to finances to huge decisions in their life, that they and their husband or their wife are just always on two different pages and can never get on the same page. We're going to talk about how to deal with those circumstances in a way that's not going to break your marriage. I don't know where you hit over this. Hey, welcome to what we're talking about on Marriage Helper Live. My name is Kimberly Holmes. I'm the CEO of Marriage Helper, and I'm joined today by Dr. Joe Beam, also the founder and chairman of Marriage Helper. Great to have you, Joe. Thank you. Awesome. So we have been getting a lot of questions over the past, I mean, as long as we have been in business, of people who are saying, I can't figure out how to communicate with my spouse about anything. We get people who they have things they need to talk about, like a financial issue, for example. Mm -hmm. But whenever they try and bring it up with their husbands or their wives, Mm -hmm. their husband or wife just shuts down. They don't want to talk about it. They never want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. When you hear about couples having situations like this... It varies with every couple. It's so varied. I don't know how to talk about that in a broad general base. That's why on this program, we ask if you will, that right now we're doing this on Facebook Live, that you start typing in your mm-hmm. questions. Now, you're going to ask questions about different topics than this, if you wish. And for the next few minutes, we're going to do our best to succinctly answer questions. The problem is, a broad-paced question like that, I don't have a succinct answer for. Well, I can give you an example from my own marriage. So this past weekend, my husband and I decided that we were going to divvy up the household chores. This has been very fun and frustrating at the same time because every time I try, like we decided we're going to do that. We're going to split up the chores because it needs to be done, this, that, and the other. And so I start going into it, actually making a list, splitting them up, but then he doesn't want to talk about it anymore. Like he doesn't want to see the list. He doesn't want to talk about it. And Mm -hmm. I've got to figure out a way to get him to talk because we have to figure it out. Yeah, but see, the question becomes, when you say you agreed on it, apparently you agreed on different things. That whatever you agreed to and what he agreed to were different things. Therefore, when you made the list, he looked at it and he went, that's not the way I anticipated this going. So the real problem is not the list. The real problem is what happened before the list. You did not communicate together to understand and agree upon what it was that you wanted to occur. That's frustrating. It would be frustrating, (laughs) but that's what's going on here. The problem is not the list. What you thought he agreed to and what he thought he agreed to, apparently, based on what you're describing, were two different things. 
So if you're going to communicate with another person, it can't just be that you have a general conversation and then you think, okay, we understand each other. Everything's cool. We got this together. Now, when it comes to a specific thing like that, it's a much different conversation than when we're talking about broader, more general things. Because the more general things, you're not looking for sometimes specific, now, how do we do this? Mm -hmm. You're looking for more like, do we understand this the same way? Do we have some kind of a, or even if we don't understand it the same way, do you understand me? And so really, we're starting way too late in this question. The question has to be, what are you trying to accomplish in the conversation? And then therefore, if you get that, okay, what are you trying to accomplish? Then we can give you some suggestions and criteria about how to do it. So what were you trying to accomplish in this conversation? Well, what I don't know about the conversation, but the overall goal is the splitting up of the household chores and getting equality right. in that task. I get that, but that's not the question. What were you hoping to accomplish in this conversation? If we're talking about communication, how to understand each other, yeah, I understand the big goal out there and you and he may have well had the very same big goal. Mm -hmm. But what were you hoping to accomplish in the conversation? To okay. have a plan. Okay. <laughs> to know understand exactly that? what was going to happen. Did he understand that or did he understand the conversation was about, in general, agreeing that it was going to occur? I don't know. And there's where the communication begins to break down. And so if you want to look at this in a way that if you really want to communicate with each other, don't assume that the other person has the same expectations that you do. Yeah. As a matter of fact, often they don't. Right. Most conversations are not as specific as the one you just gave where you say, okay, we're going to try to figure out how to divvy up the household chores. But if the conversation is that specific, then you've got to think, what is the specific goal of this conversation? And the specific goal of the conversation was not to divvy up the list. The specific goal of that conversation was to agree on how to divvy up the list, which based on what you're saying, apparently did not occur. Therefore, you got frustrated. Yep. That sounds about right. Okay. <laughs> And so if you're going to communicate with another person, unless it's going to be a more general conversation than the illustration we're using now, and even then, you should really have a goal for the conversation. Now, the goal doesn't have to be as specific as we're going to wind up with a list of who does what. I mean, it can, but sometimes the goal is just simply, I really want to know that he understands how I feel mm -hmm. or that she understands how I feel. Now, if that's the goal you have, then go at it that way. Because if you don't know where you're headed, it's awfully hard to get there. I mean, I hope that doesn't sound too simplistic, but that's what happens in many conversations. Now, we're not talking about just idle chit-chat. If you're just visiting with each other, just talking because you're riding down the road, that's not going to be applicable to what we're talking about here. But if there's a conversation you really want to have, where it's like he's speaking one language, language, I'm speaking another, if you can have in your mind, here's what I hope we accomplish with this conversation and keep focusing on and heading in that direction, it is much more likely. And at some point in the conversation, you can actually share the goal. Here's, here's what I hope can happen when we talk about this. I really want you to understand how I feel when you put extra money on the credit card or whatever the case may be. May I just explain to you how I feel? Now, the reason you're giving that goal in that conversation is because if your spouse and We'll make this the wife talking to the husband. I don't like you putting extra money on the credit card. I don't know it's coming. Then if you stated that, let's just deal with this credit card issue, you raise the defenses. It's like, oh, crapola. Now I'm going to get chewed out again. I just, the other day, was out with some guys. We decided to have a couple of beers. I put it on the credit card. You didn't expect it. Now you're mad. And so the conversation starts off with him being defensive. So don't start it off with, let's talk about this credit card issue. 
you can start off with this. You know, I really want to talk about how I feel when I see an extra charge on that card. Can I just explain to you how I feel? Now, he still may become defensive, but it's to a lesser degree. And then if you have that conversation, speaking from your own frame of reference. In other words, not like when you do this, that's attacking him. But a frame of reference is when I see that, I feel, then he's much more likely not to be defensive. Now, back to your situation. If you had started the conversation with something such as, hmm, we want to divvy up the household chores. How can we come up with a plan where that we're both comfortable about how to do that? Mm -hmm. If that had been the way you started that conversation, I'm not saying it would have turned out perfectly because most conversations don't, but it still would have gotten somewhere without you being so frustrated because it would be, oh, now we have a common mutual goal. So that's the first thing I suggest. If you really want to have a conversation that's trying to accomplish something, you have to know what that something is and hopefully get him or her to understand what you're going for. And they may not agree. It may be like, no, I'm not ready for that conversation yet. First, I want to talk about blank. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, I strongly suggest you talk about blank first, unless he's just totally changing the subject to keep you from talking about the issue at hand. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes when that occurs is when you say, mm, well, okay, but let's just only talk about that for two or three minutes because I really want to get back to this. Mm -hmm. Someone asked a question and he said, my wife is a master at stonewalling. Mm -hmm. How am I supposed to get around that? Well, stonewalling is one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse as defended by, by, identified by Gottman and his outfit out at the Love Lab in uh, Washington State. Stonewalling is a way of fighting. Mm -hmm. It's actually a way of fighting. So when a person's stonewalling, it's like, I'm now fighting against you. I'm fighting against this conversation. I'm fighting against everything that's going on. And so if your wife is stonewalling, then understand you are, an inter you are in an argument whether you want to think you're in an argument or not. So what do you do? back off. You say, well, I'll just keep telling her and finally she'll hear it. <laughs> you can, but it's not going to accomplish anything. It's just going to make you guys further and further apart. If when she's being stonewalling and she won't talk to you at all, you keep pushing it. Now you may think, but no, I'm just trying to communicate and by golly, we'll get past that barrier. But in, in actuality, what you're doing is you're locking her down. Like you can't even see that I'm not happy with this. You can't see, I don't want to participate in this. So you say, well, what do I do? Well, there's no magic formula. I mean, if there were, we'd tell you what it is, but there is a principle that can almost be magic. And then just to stop and look at her and say, you know, I've just come to realize that however I'm communicating to you right now, you don't want to participate in. And, and you're demonstrating that by stonewalling. You don't want to be in this. By the way, for those who have not read Gottman or haven't listened to our other podcast and etc. Stonewalling is when one person literally uh, refuses to participate in the conversation. They look away, they look down, they start looking at their phone, they're doing all kinds of other things, but it's like, I'm letting you know I'm not in this conversation. Mm -hmm. And so what you do then is, again, not the magic words, but the principle can, being redundant now, be almost magic, is you look at her, in this case, because he was asking about his wife, and say, I can see that you've tuned out of this. I'm assuming it's because of the way I'm communicating. I really want to learn how to communicate in a different way so that rather you tuning out, we can actually talk to each other. So if you will, help me understand how I can approach this where I don't turn you off and shut you down. Now, if she's right in the middle of stonewalling, she may not answer that today. Don't push. <laughs> if you keep pushing, cause she, she'll keep stonewalling. So what do you do? You say, um, 
Whenever you feel like that, here's the promise I make. You talk, I'll listen. I won't argue. I won't explain. I won't defend myself. Now, I do ask that I can ask questions for clarification, but I promise you they won't be questions to set you up. Like, oh, really? Well, if you were me, what would you do? No setup questions or, wow, in a situation like that, couldn't you really see any other way to do it? Don't do those kinds of questions. Just say to her, when you're ready to tell me, and I realize right now I've kind of shut you down. When you're ready to tell me, I promise I will listen without being defensive and I will not argue. And I promise that any questions I ask for clarification are only for that. And then if and when she does that, you must live up to that promise. Now, could it be just her and that you're the best communicator on the planet? Sure, that's a possibility. That's typically not what brings about the stonewalling. Typically what brings about stonewalling is the fact that, uh, that the other person doesn't like the way the conversation is going and they shut down. Mm-hmm. So change the process, change what you do. You can't change her, but you can change what you do that hopefully will lead to a change in the way you communicate. Yeah, one of our viewers said, I've dealt with stonewalling the wrong way in the past. Dr. Beam is right. Well, I'm glad to know that one person on the planet (laughs) believes I'm right about something. Thank you very much. All right, Joe, we have a few questions coming in. So the first question someone has, they say, is it okay to message my husband asking him to attend the Marriage Helper Workshop? We don't really speak much, only smart contact. He's away on vacation with our daughters and tomorrow would have been our 19 year anniversary. Mm -hmm. We've been separated for two years in the middle of a divorce. Mm -hmm. Okay, when you're trying to uh, convince someone to do something that you think they may not be in favor of, the best way is not to start with telling them what you want. Mm. So if I just say, you know, we really need to do this, come do this with me. Or I really want you to do this, come do this with me. I mean, you can approach it like that if you wish. And if the person is amenable to that, it can work. I mean, it works in a lot of things in life. You just say what you want, the other person says, okay, and they do it. But when you're dealing with something that you think the other person wants nothing to do with, the better place to start, the better place to start is to think in terms of W-I-I-F-M. That's everybody's favorite radio station, W-I-I-F-M. What's in it for me? So what's in it for him? Now, you can try explaining it to him like, you know, for the sake of us being better parents, would you please go to the workshop with me? And if he really wants to be a better parent and if he believes that coming to the workshop actually will help that, that might be enough. But if you're not sure he's gonna respond that way, then you step back and come at it this way. You know, I've been looking for things to help us be better parents to our kids. I realize that we might wind up apart are you uh, thinking of ways to do that as well? And if so, can you give me some ideas what you're thinking about? He may say, no, I haven't thought about it yet. We'll do fine. If he does, I don't suggest you argue. That's not going to get you anywhere. You can say, you know, I can see how that, that it appears that we might be fine because we both love our daughters. And, and I appreciate you loving them enough to think that way that everything's going to be fine. We call that getting on the same side of the table. It's not arguing. It's actually saying, hey, I get it. I understand. I know what you're thinking or feeling then say something like, but you know, I've seen so many other situations where people thought that we're going to do that and then it didn't turn out that way. And I'm afraid that no matter how much we love our daughters, that might happen to us. You see what you're doing? You're not telling him he's wrong. You're telling him that you've seen it with other situations, if indeed you have. And then you can say, so I know that both of us love them and want to do the best. So I've been looking to options for this. May I tell you about one of them that I found? And in that conversation, if he says, well, okay, what have you found? 
what have you found, or if he just looks at you like, okay, tell me, that's when you move into, I've heard about this workshop, it's primarily for marriages, but I realize right now, what you want is to do what's best for the girls. And so, and then you start explaining things I won't take time to explain right here. If you want to know more about the workshop and how it will help parenting, then you can call us uh, at our number, 615-472-1161. That's 615-472-1161. Or uh, you can go to our, our website, marriagehelper.com, marriagehelper.com. Now, if you're thinking, well, that's not really what's important to him about being a better parent, then you figure out what it is. What is it that's going to be important to him? Now, if you notice that in this conversation that I just described for you, it didn't happen by text. Surely, if you have some kind of chance for face-to-face -face communication, that's when you want to do this because you can read his facial expressions, you can read his body language, and you know when to back off. Like, mm -hmm. mm, this is not working well, let me back off. Can't do that on a text until you get a nasty text back. <laughs> and if you get a nasty text back, that's when you start backing off, but it may be too late. Yeah. Now, if you're saying, oh, but I have absolutely no chance, absolutely no chance to do face-to-face, -face, okay? then I would suggest an actual telephone conversation. At least then you're hearing each other's voices. You can read a little bit about what he's thinking or feeling by his tone of voice, the way he's saying things. The last thing I would suggest is a text. Well, actually, I guess a third last, a text. The final last would be just sending him a letter. Sometimes people think if I just lay all of this out in this great, amazing, wonderful letter, it's gonna to touch his heart, he's gonna leap with joy and do whatever I'm asking him to do. There was a time when letters actually communicated far better than now. But we live in a culture where it's really more about quick, instant communication. And long letters, people typically now don't even read. They just kind of skim through it. So do you hear that? Face to face. If that won't work, telephone. If that won't work, then the text. If that won't hurt, work, then the letter. But it's all about what's important to him. Mm -hmm. That's how you do this conversation. And typically you can't do that in a text message. I mean, I'm, saying, I'm not saying it's impossible. Sometimes it works for people, but it's not likely to work. And it's certainly not letting him know you understand what he feels and looking for the W-I-I-F-M, being on his same side of the table, not arguing with him, just helping him see what it is that you think will be beneficial to you and, and your family. But why should I think about what's important to him? If you want him to do something, it's the only way you're going to get to happen. It doesn't seem fair. <laughs> it's, that's, it's been this way since the beginning of the world. Yeah. People typically will do things only if it's important to you for a couple of reasons. Mm -hmm. One is, hmm, I really like you and I want to make you happy. Okay, therefore I'll do it for you. The other is, you're going to create some negative consequence if I don't do it. And so I'm going to try to avoid the negative consequence. And you can get people to do things. You can put a gun in a guy's face and say, give me your wallet, and he will, because he's trying to avoid the negative consequence. But he's not going to like you. So you say it's not fair. It's been the way of the world always. And it's the way you operate. It's the very way you operate. You might do something for somebody because you like them. Okay. You may do it because they're coercing you. Bad. But when you really do things, you do it because somehow still it's benefiting you, even in those two situations. I'm doing it because I like you. I'm still ultimately doing it for me because it makes me feel good. If I'm doing it because I'm trying to avoid the negative consequence you're going to create, still ultimately I'm doing it for me because I don't want to hurt. We all do things for what happens inside of us. So fair is life. It's what it is.
And if you really want him to do something, you better think in terms of what's important to him. Otherwise, it fails. Mm. We have another question that's come in. A woman says, my husband had an affair, but now we're working on our marriage. Good. I have good and bad days in handling it and moving past it. But mm -hmm. he gets mad at me for days when I'm sad, but even, even when I keep it to myself. But when I do tell him my feelings, he gets angry and he tells me that I need to get over it and thinking about everything isn't going to help us move forward. What advice do you have for me in this situation? A couple of things. And this often is more typical in the relationships that you're discussing where it's the male who gets angry at the female. It, it can happen the other way, it does happen the other way, but it's more common in my experience that it's husband to wife just as you described. You say, okay, why is he getting mad? Uh, probably. Now you understand, I don't know your husband, I don't know the situation, all I can do is guess. I'm gonna guess based on my experiences with other people and, and even my own experiences from years ago but you understand what I'm about to say is a guess. Don't take it as law and gospel. It could be because he feels guilty. Like, okay, I can't believe I did that. I caused all that pain. And anytime I see you hurting because of what I did, I feel guilty all over again. And when people feel that, that hurts. Anger is always based on pain. Listen to me. Anger is always based on pain. So when you're seeing his anger, you're, his anger, it means something in him is hurting. So at least this we know for a fact. I guess on what I said about he might be feeling guilty. But the thing we know for a fact is that somehow seeing you hurt hurts him. Could it be because of guilt? Because it could be shame, et cetera, et cetera. Could it be because he's thinking, I just want to move on with life. I don't want to have to go through a process to get past this. So let's just... Uh, Put the stake in the ground, forget it ever happened, and move on, because any thinking about it on your part, my part, anybody else's part just hurts me. It could be all of those things or any other that I'm not even mentioning, but you do understand the principle I'm talking about. Please, he's hurting. You say, but even if I don't say anything, you're living in the same house, you're trying to work things out. You obviously are not an actor, which is not a bad thing at all. It's okay not to be an actor. But he's seeing that pain. Even if you don't mention it, he's seeing that pain. Okay, that's why he's reacting, because it's hurting him to see your pain. Is that fair? Yes and no, but mostly no. You say, mostly no? No, it's not fair. You see, if you're ever really going to get past this, there's some things that you have to do to heal. And whether he wants to face it or not, there's some things he has to feel as well, or deal with as well. Uh, Kimberly, our CEO, can tell you guys in a minute about a, a course we have. I think we still have an online course that helps couples work through reconciliation. Oh. In, in just a minute, if you don't mind telling mm -hmm. them about that. But in the meantime, I would suggest you this. Acknowledge his pain. Just say, honey, I, I can see that you get angry when you see that it hurt. I'm not getting hurt because I want to punish you. I'm not feeling these things because I'm thinking about how evil you are. You understand that I'm feeling hurt because I'm, I have a, a loss. I have a loss of what I thought we had. I have a loss of, you know, et cetera. Don't get too deep into that. Don't go too deep right now. You just say, I need you to understand that I'm not manufacturing this pain. I'm feeling this pain. And so let's make a deal. Would you let me, and I'm not gonna harangue and go on for days about this. I'm not even gonna go on for hours about this. But we, can we have a conversation where I try to explain to you what I feel and will you just hear me. And then, and then 
after I explain what I feel, which is what you see manifested in my face and my body language and my tone of voice sometimes when I'm sad, I want to understand what you feel. What I mean by that is I want you to try to get in touch with what is it you feel when you see that pain on my face? And, and what am I causing or you actually are not causing it, so that's not the right way. And when I do that, what is that leading to inside of you that, that, that hurts? Don't say that makes you angry. Because when you say that makes you angry, you know, it's going to be defensive. Mm -hmm. But if you say, help me understand how that when you see my sadness, it causes you to hurt inside because I'm, I feel like you are hurting inside. Don't say, because Dr. Beam said you're hurting inside. <laughs> Don't do anything to make him defensive. Say, I, I just perceive that's because you're hurting. And I want to hear why and how. But I'll go first if you'll let me. And then, if you will, try to explain that to me and we'll figure out how to get past this. That can be a great conversation in this. If indeed you have that conversation, that's when you might want to suggest, oh, and by the way, these people at Marriage Helper have an online course for reconciliation where they can take a step-by-step-by-step -step -step about how to get through that. Would you be willing to look at that with me to see if that can help us get beyond this so that it doesn't take months, <laughs> but we can do it in a much shorter period of time where we can get past this and, and, and be happy without seeing sadness on my face or hurting you. Now, how do they get to that if she wants to look at it? What is this course? And yeah, the best way to get to it is by giving us a call, which you see the number pop up on the screen every so often. Giving us a call, talking to one of our client relations reps, they can help you with that. And the best way, of course, the best thing we can do for you is our workshop that we have. Uh, mm -hmm. But that next best thing, some of our online courses, and then we do offer coaching as well, um, that pair really well with after the workshop and with the online courses. So we can help you with that. Absolutely. Okay. So let me make sure I go back and say that Kimberly said that in a better order than that. Uh, the first thing we do is we recommend you come to our intensive three day workshop mm -hmm. because this, that's the fastest. And, and if he says, I just want to get over this. Well, yeah. the fastest way to get over it is to come to our workshop, mm -hmm. that intensive three day workshop. We, we call it marriage miracles. We, but no, I better be careful. We see marriage miracles come out of there. We do one every two weeks. Um, but not all marriages come out with a miracle. So don't let me be misleading you. I don't want to promise things that won't happen, but three out of four do. Mm -hmm. Some immediately, some takes a little while, but the things that you'll learn and talk about and we'll discuss in that workshop is the fastest way to deal with this. Yeah. If that doesn't work or if, well, I'm sorry, it would work. If that's not what you can do right now because of where you are, then we'll talk about the online course. Right. That's why Kimberly was right. And I should have said it in that order. Call us <laughs> and talk to one of our uh, client representatives and, and find out about the workshop and what it does and how it can help you with this. And then if that's just not an option, ask about the online reconciliation course. Thank you for correcting me on that. Yeah, absolutely. So Joe, with that, the last question you answered was about a person who they're trying to save the marriage after the affair she's dealing with the emotions. What about the person whose spouse is currently in the affair? They don't want to see and hear about why things make them sad because they're currently in the affair. So how should their demeanor and the way that they act and look, I mean, how does it change post-affair versus during the affair? Well, if you're still during the affair, you're not going to be finding healing. That's one big change. Yeah. And if they're showing anger because they see you sad, then it would be probably a, a higher guess 
that it's because of guilt. You know, what I'm doing is wrong. Or it could just be frustration because of the fact I'm still married to you. I'm going to leave you for my affair partner at some point. I'm just not aware I'm ready to do that yet. And yet here you are moaning or whining or looking sad and that kind of stuff. And I don't want to be with you to begin with because I want to be with my affair partner. In that case, it's not necessarily guilt that's making him feel that way. It's the anger that you're still in his way or still in her way. No, I know that hurts. I know that, that you're thinking, good grief, could you have to be so blunt? Well, yeah, sometimes I think I do have to be that blunt just to help you understand that what they're feeling is not what you want them to feel. Therefore, what they're doing is not what you want them to do. Do you then just hide? I think that you don't become an actor. I think that you can still be you. But if you are familiar with our concept of PIES, P-I-E-S, physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, understand that when in front of your spouse you're manifesting that sadness, it's going to show in your face, which makes you physically less attractive. It's going to show in your tone of voice, which makes you both physically and emotionally unattractive. It's going to show in the way that you talk with him, which typically is going to make you intellectually less, less attractive. So if you can work on your own pies and be the best you you can be without being an actor, we don't try to get people to be what they're not. You are what you are. You feel what you feel. But if you can honestly look into and learn how to do the pies, then it can help offset this. And understand that, that his, was it a him or a her that was in the affair? And the question we just read, I think it was a him, that as long as he's doing what he's doing, that your pies can help lead in the right direction, but they probably aren't going to fix it like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Someone asked a question. They said, can someone do the workshop without their spouse? Unfortunately, no. The workshop is designed for couples. And we suggest that you, well, not suggest, we require that you come together, that both of you have to be there whole, all three days, that both of you have to actually participate in all the activities. Otherwise, you, you're going to be the most frustrated person on the planet. That's why we don't let one person come because they're learning all this stuff and they keep thinking, oh, I wish my spouse could hear that. I wish my spouse could see what's happening. I wish my spouse could hear these other couples talking about, oh, I wish, I wish. Well, rather than frustrate you, frustrate everybody in the room, make your life even more miserable, Mm -hmm. If you come to the workshop, he or she has to come with you. Now, we have options. If your spouse just absolutely refuses to come, mm -hmm. then that's when we have online stuff developed for you. Right. We have coaches who can actually talk on the phone directly with you. The workshop by far is the best option. Now, we've got great online stuff. We have great coaches. But the, uh, the, the three-day intensive workshop works on so many more things, so many more levels than we can do online or even that we can do with coaching. Right. Um, so try to get him or her to come. If they won't, just absolutely will not, we have other options. Again, you call our client representatives here. We don't charge you to talk to our client representatives, obviously. And, and they'll listen to your story. They'll hear what's going on. And, and they will help you get to the best resource available, the best resource. That's why they listen to you. They don't want to try to get you to do something that's not best for you. So they'll listen, they'll understand, and then guide you to that. Yeah. And if you just heard what Joe said and you thought, I don't, maybe I could get my spouse to agree to go, but I can't make that. How am I going to make them stay all three days and participate in all these activities? And what are these activities? Don't worry about that. We handle that part. If your spouse will agree to come with you, 
then that's really all you have to do. Well, not really. Maybe there's more. <laughs> <laughs> when you get the to agreement to come, when you get the agreement up front, typically, uh, often, I shouldn't say typically, but often when people get their spouses to come, they trade something. Like I'll give you this in the divorce or I'll sign these in the divorce papers. If you're using that kind of uh, request to get him or her to come, then that trade, you make it clear. But, but you've got to be there all three days and you've got to actually participate. In other words, you can't just sit there playing yeah. on your phone the whole time. But that you have to talk about before the workshop. You've got to stay for the whole thing. You've got to participate. In other words, you can't sit there and play on your phone. You've got to actually be part of it. Yeah, participate. It's nothing, that word, to me, when I hear it, I'm like, is there a trust fall? Are we doing rope events? You know, it's those kind of, some marriage retreats trust, do that. Trust fall. If you don't know what it is, you'll have to look it up on the internet. Trust fall. <laughs> We're not going to be doing that kind of thing when no. we stand you in front of the room and no. have you do some it's crazy, silly things like, like that. You fall, we're going to catch you. Now we develop trust. No. We don't, we don't do that people kind of would die. thing. People would die. We are not going to do that. Nor do we make people tell us their stories. Mm -mm. Like, why did you do that? What did you do? We, we don't do that. Now, often people wind up being open. As a matter of fact, most everybody in a workshop winds up being yeah. open with each other because they, they see very quickly that trust does develop. Mm-hmm. But it's about us talking with each other, not doing some kind of weird, crazy thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We have more questions that have come in. This person says, my husband of 20 years that we have four children together left the home a year and a half ago. His affair partner is a licensed counselor. I have tried everything to shut conflict down for the last year, but it just keeps going. He appears to want the conflict and strife and will create it when there is none. I can find no one to do an intervention with me. I want to know if there's one thing out there. Um, one thing out there? Yeah, and I'm trying to read the rest of it. It doesn't make sense to me. That was basically saying that results in someone, how can I get them to want to reconsider being with me, coming okay. back to the marriage? All right. I wish we had a magic formula. You just do this, everything works wonderfully well. There are people on the internet selling stuff. You can buy $49, $99, $159 that just basically say that. You buy my stuff, I'm gonna tell you exactly what to do. It works no matter what. Your spouse will apologize for everything he or she's ever done wrong. They'll love you more than they ever have before. They wanna be in your bed holding you every night. I actually saw that on the internet a lot long ago, a guy actually making those claims. Don't believe, pardon me. <laughs> Don't believe it. <laughs> yeah. well, this is good stuff I'm drinking here. It's just water. I can't believe I did that live. Anyway, don't believe that crap. These people are trying to take your money. They're idiots. Nobody can promise you that and make it happen. And anybody who has the audacity to promise you that is a charlatan. I don't care what kind of degree he or she claims to have or what kind of experience he or she, she claims to have. Making promises like that, they're lying to you to get your money. That's really what it boils down to. So I can't give you a magic formula. We can only give you principles. The principles would be, you've apparently been on our website and seen the information we have about how to do an intervention. If not, I suggest you go find that. It's on our website. It's uh, marriagehelper.com, marriagehelper.com. And, and you find the section on intervention. It's got like a 35 or 40 page ebook, 
that you can download free. It's got two 45-minute audios that explain things that you can do free if, indeed, you can find the right kind of people to do the intervention with you. And if you can find the people to do the intervention, don't let them say, oh, I don't need to read that. I don't need to listen to that. We can do this. We know what we're doing. No, they don't. They don't know what they're doing. And even they're good people. They care. They love wonderful, intelligent people. If they go in there without knowing how to do it, nine times out of ten, they're going to blow it. Not because they are stupid, but because they didn't learn, hey, wait a minute, an intervention should be done like this. So if you find somebody to do the intervention with you, make sure it's the right people. You'll find out how on that page on our website and that they actually read that document and that you all sit in a group before the intervention and go through that document one more time. And those interventions have a much higher likelihood of success. All right. You said, I don't have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really am an interesting question here. I wish I could get the answer to. You say she's a licensed counselor. Was he her patient before this stuff happened? Yeah. Client, I should say, not patient. A client, was he her client before that? Or were you her client before that? If so, we have a gross ethical violation here. Now, I'm not suggesting that you instantly run to the state board. I am saying that's one thing you want to hold and reserve for later. After you get all these things worked out, after you get the marriage back together, after you're feeling some peace, this lady, or it's a lady, right? Mm -hmm. Should be reported. Now, if she didn't have any professional relationship with any of you beforehand, then it's still wrong, but it's not going to be they're going to their licensing board is going to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Now, or if your marriage doesn't make it and he winds up with her all the time and she has violated ethical standards for the sake of other people that will come to that woman, go tell the state board because she's unethical. She's not professional. She's going to hurt people if she is interacting with a client in a way that's totally inappropriate and not allowed by the right. law or morality. All right. Right. After I'm off my soapbox, then what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> Wanting to get her husband back. Okay. We suggest you start with the pies. Okay. It's always the place to start. And for those that are not familiar with our pies, you can find out on our website. You can call and talk to our client representatives. They will help you. And if at some point you wish to bring your husband uh, to our workshop, then you may consider at some point making a trade. Like if you will do that, I will give you this. I've already talked a little bit about that on this program, so I'm not going to go into that in more detail now. Our client representatives, if you call, can help you understand what that means. In the meantime, you say, well, why is he instigating hostility? Why is he doing that? Okay, understand again, I don't know your husband. I can take guesses. I can take educated guesses. But I definitely can't tell you definitely why. Although you put it on the Internet and there will be people who will know exactly why he's doing what he's doing. No, it varies with every individual. Don't trust people who are not, first of all, perceptive. Secondly, are not being prejudicial. And thirdly, actually know what they're doing. All right? Why? Here's one possibility. Guilt. And he's causing those arguments with you because he's angry with himself. He hurts. That's one possibility. Here's another possibility. Uh, It's kind of a version of guilt, but not directly guilt. It's the sense of, if I make your life a living hell then at some point you'll divorce me. And then if you divorce me, I might get a better deal in the courts. If you divorce me, I might not feel as badly about what I have done. If you divorce me, then maybe my therapist lover, 
doesn't get into any trouble. I mean, there could be a ton of different things here, but he may well be, may well be, trying to get you to be so miserable that you'll divorce him. Many years ago when I divorced my wife, that was actually one of my techniques. I made her life so miserable, I was hoping she would divorce me. For me, it was to alleviate my religious guilt because I was a, a Christian, very faithful in my religion, and felt very guilty about what I was doing. But if she divorced me, then it would set me free. So at least some people think like that. I know I did. Or it could just be the anger that you're still in his way. Or it could be the fact that he feels guilty about what he's doing. You understand there can be a ton of different reasons. But the bottom line is he knows that he's hurting you. He knows that. Why? Who knows his exact motivation? Maybe he even doesn't know his exact motivation. But what he's doing is painful to you. So what do I suggest? Don't fight back. What? Just be a doormat, let him run over me? No, 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 no. We never, ever suggest that you become a doormat and let somebody run over you. We suggest that if you can, you become strong enough that you can rise above the fray. This is what he mean. He says something snarky because he's trying to start a fight rather than you coming back at him like, well, really? What you do is you just look at him and go, I can see that today's not going to be a good day for conversation. And then you smile and calmly walk away. You see, that's not you being a doormat. You're not letting it run over you. You're rising above it. You're being stronger and better. So for whatever his motivation is, it's hurting you. He knows it's hurting you. How do you stop it from hurting you? Stop participating. Don't let him ramrod you into these, uh, uh, these situations where you're arguing and fighting. You be strong and you can actually look him in the eye and say, you know, I'm just not going to get into a fight today. And if he says, well, yeah, you are. We're going to deal with this. You can go, no, I actually make my own decisions about my life. Smile, be strong, be calm. You can always tell the strongest person by the one that's the calmest. Mm, always. That's a good point. And so when you do that, you'll be that strong, calm person and say, no. I'm not participating in that today. Mm -hmm. And then leave. Leave the room if you have to. Leave the house, etc. Now, don't run away. You're not being a doormat. You're just making sure that he can't persist in this. Don't let him do what he's doing, whatever his motivation might be. Yeah. Some people watching, one of the questions we have, um, someone asks, well, you know, I wish we were fighting. I wish we were talking, but we're not. Mm -hmm. So if my husband is gone, he's in an affair, then do I just wait for him to contact me, especially when we don't have kids or anything to talk about? Right. We don't have time on this program now and what's left to talk about and explain smart contact. Where's the best way they can find information about smart contact? Well, on marriagehelper.com, there's an article about smart contact, and that's going to be the best way. Okay. Right now. Uh, you've done some webinars on smart contact. Are those available to the general public? They are not. They're not. They are so not. how would a person get into the system? How can they get into something with us where they could access that? The webinars? Mm -hmm. Well, our client relations reps use those. So when they hear people tell their stories, if they think one of the webinars that I've done is fitting to that situation, they'll send them a replay link. So the person then could call our toll-free number that keeps popping up on the screen here, talk yeah. to a client rep, mm -hmm. and, and I suggest strongly that you do that and, and part of your conversation say, can I see Kimberly's webinar on smart contact? Yeah. She does a, a great job of explaining how to do that, that we okay. just don't have time to get into right here. No, we don't. We don't, but that, that's a great lead-in. Um, there's 
A couple of other questions that people have been asking, but I have to find. Yeah, did your laptop just My now? laptop, it's still making noise, but the screen is black. I think it's time for a new one. It's time for you to go to a PC rather no. than that dumb Mac over there. Oh, I, know. I would love to know Every, people's thoughts on that. Everybody I work with, everybody I work with uses Macs. Oh. Macs speak a different language I don't understand. Now, Apple, don't sue oh, me. God. It was a joke. Okay? No. Apple, don't sue me. It was a joke. Okay? <laughs> and I know that you Mac people are, are devout. <clears throat> so forgive me for offending your Mac religion. That's why, that is exactly why I made that, that face. Okay, so a woman says, I've been married for 24 years. I had an affair and now my husband won't speak to me. Mm -hmm. the, she ended her affair in September. The affair partner contacted her on May 9th and they talked and texted for a few times for about two weeks. My husband found out oh. and then left six weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Five children, ages 12 to 20, they're at home with me. I know what I have done is wrong and I want to save my marriage. I don't know what the right thing to do is to try and get him to believe I love him and that I won't ever cheat or lie again. He mm -hmm. will not see me and told his attorney that he wants to get a legal separation fast so that he will not change his mind. My attorney told me this. Please help. Okay, a couple of things. Now, first of all, it's going to sound like I'm beating you up. Please, please don't think I'm beating this lady up. My heart is with her. I feel so much of her pain in this, and I'm so sorry. But for everybody, her and everybody listening, consequences have, a behavior, I should say, have consequences. And, and no matter how we think about it at the time, like, well, he hasn't been speaking to me for six months, and at least the guy I used to care about will talk to me, and I need some kind of human interaction. I'm just going to talk to him for a while. We're going to text and, and visit, etc. I understand how you can get into that. I understand how that would happen. But as you know, and you've already said, I'm not trying to beat you up, it was wrong. You shouldn't have done it. Now, so everybody else listening, and please don't think, lady, that I'm beating you up. I'm, I just need to make this point. You need to stop and think about whatever you do, thinking everything has a consequence. And, and something that can happen that fast can have a consequence that lives a lifetime. Mm -hmm. I take my eyes off the road. I look at my cell phone, which I shouldn't do. I hit the pedestrian and he's dead. It took 10 seconds. But there's consequences for a lifetime. Now, I realize we can't control every little thing in life. But for the rest of us, before I come back to you, ma'am, for the rest of us, before you decide to talk to that affair or previous affair, affair partner again, before you do anything, before you just fly off the handle and scream and yell, before you do anything, think there's a short-term consequence, which actually might feel good. There's a medium-term consequence that which may not be so good. There's a long-term consequence that may be hellacious. I mean, really bad. All right, now back to your situation. And I'm sorry if I sounded like I was beating you up. In the sense that you have violated his trust, that is one of the things that hurts really, really bad for people. And when they hurt really, really bad, they have a lot of anger. Whenever you see anger, it's based on pain. He was hurt to begin with. Some time had elapsed. It looks like he wasn't doing all the things he should have done to gotten past that. I get it. I mean, I'm not saying he's totally innocent after the affair. I mean, if you guys are staying together, we would hope that he would be doing some things to make things work. All right. But apparently he didn't since he still didn't talk to you. Now you have uh, proven to him by the subsequent behavior that you really can't be trusted. Now realize 
I'm not saying from your perspective, you've proven it to him from his perspective. And now he has all the evidence he needs that he can never trust you again. All right. And, but look at this short term, long term, medium term consequences. He says to his attorney, as reported to your attorney, a quick legal separation. So I don't change my mind. If I were in your shoes, I'd be saying to my attorney, whatever you do, drag this out. We know what his motivation is. He told us so he doesn't change his mind. Don't let it happen fast then. Do whatever you need to do to drag this thing out. Then you're thinking, it's just going to make him matter. Okay, so it's your choice, not mine. I'm just telling you what I would do if I were in that situation. If you think it's going to make him matter, therefore I should just give it to him. If that's what you wish to do, it is your choice. If it were I, I'd drag it out. But I tell my attorney, don't do it in such a way that will ostensibly make him mad. Do it in a way where he might get frustrated and might get a little angry from that, but that he's not seeing this as some kind of manipulative thing on our part, even though in actuality, it kind of is. So tell your attorney, don't, don't do things just to badger him. Don't tell his attorney what we're doing and why we're doing it. You just find excuses. Find excuses to drag it out a little bit so he can't make this decision that rapidly. Now, the last thing you said, okay, so how can I show him that I love him? You can't. If he's not having any contact with you, you cannot show him. You can show other people. And then hopefully the word gets back to him. Now we talk about a thing called PIES, P-I-E-S, physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual attraction. You develop those in yourself right now to the nth degree. You work on you and become the best you can be. Then your kids will see that. Now do not use them as pawns. Do not make them intermediaries here. Don't make them responsible for fixing your marriage. That's not fair to the kids. But demonstrate in every way you possibly can to the whole world by making it genuinely who you're becoming, the better person physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. But among that whole world, definitely also to your kids so that they're seeing that. And I'm assuming your husband still has contact with them. And so they can say things like, wow, Mom's really doing great, Dad. Mom, mom's growing in this way. Mom's becoming more emotion, uh, uh, better understanding that way. And for the older kids, now again, do not make pawns out of your kids. Don't do that. If you can do it without making your older kids a pawn, how old was the oldest kid? Kim? 20. Oh, the 20-year-old, particularly the 20-year-old. It might be a good idea if I'm assuming the 20-year-old knows what's happened. I mean, how could they not if, if uh, you know, they're not living with him and he's away from you? Just sit down. If the 20 year old is mature, in other words, if he or she can handle it, sit down and say, I'm not trying to tell you what to tell your dad. I would never do that because that makes you responsible for fixing my marriage, which is not your responsibility. I do not ever want you to be a pawn, but because you're grown, I do want to explain some things. Don't get into details. Kids freak out. If you start giving details about an affair, don't do that, but you can say, I got involved with another man. It was wrong. It shouldn't have happened. Be careful not to justify yourself or even to appear to justify yourself. Don't say, well, but you know, I was lonely. You did. Don't do that. Just say it happened. It shouldn't have happened. I should have been smart enough to keep it from happening, but it did. It ended. And I wanted to put the marriage back together, but we didn't know how. Notice you're not saying dad didn't do his job. You're saying we didn't know how. In other words, you're not throwing dad under the bus. We didn't know how. And I did another really stupid thing. And I talked to this guy again and your dad, it hurt him deeply and he left. Notice you haven't said one negative thing about dad. Don't do that. And you take responsibility without getting into elaborate detail, which is going to freak the kid out. 
And then you say, I hope and pray that someday he comes back. I do love him very deeply. I want this marriage. And so I'm going to work hard to be the best me I can be. I want you to help me with that. So when you see me doing things I shouldn't be doing in terms of emotionally interacting with other people, like I'm being mean or I'm being this or whatever it might be, I'm just asking you, I'm going to explain pies to you. This is what I'm going to work on. And then I ask your help to help me do those things. Never once say, go tell dad this. And if he or she chooses not to tell dad this, that's okay. You're not going to ask later, oh, by the way, has any of this ever come up in conversation with dad? Don't do that. If you do, you're manipulating the kid. That's not fair. Just ask him or her for the help. How old was the next oldest kid? I don't know. It just said 12 to 20. 12 to 20. Well, you may have another kid or two who's old enough to involve in the same situation. She said two in college. Well, you've got at least two kids that are old enough to be mm-hmm. involved in this situation. Ask them to help you. Did you understand all that? You might want to play this back later and make sure you heard everything I said about how to do those kids, do with those kids. Now, if anything works, our system does. And if anything works means that you're going to demonstrate the pies to your kids. You're going to demonstrate acceptance to the kids. You're going to demonstrate acceptance. Well, I'm getting into too much detail right now. You, you can find this on our website. How, how's the best way for her to find out more about what I'm talking about here? I mean, honestly, I'm going to go back to talking to our client relations reps. Mm. The website has great articles. We have great resources. We have a podcast that you can go back two and a half years and listen to all of the resources there. But what you really want and the reason that you're on this Facebook Live is because you are craving human interaction. You want to tell someone what is going on. You want for them and their knowledge to say, okay, Here's what I've worked, here's what we've seen before, here's the best resource for you, whether it's them guiding you to one of our articles, podcast, or to our workshop and telling you how that can work for you, even in your situation, how to approach your spouse about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the best resource we have here at Marriage Helper. That's why we have a huge team of people who they love talking to you. So that's what I recommend. Yeah, and every client represented who works with us has been personally trained by us. I mean, we don't have like 500 people out there that we met on the internet and, and now they're working out of San Francisco and you're a client right. representative. No, client representatives work with us and have been trained mm-hmm. by us and, and they'll know how to help you to the best resources. But if you do those kinds of things, remember now, this is a, a thing that will take time. I don't have the magic pill. I really don't. If I ever invent or develop the magic pill, uh, I'll become a billionaire. <laughs> But there is no such animal. It does not exist. And besides, my goal is not to become a billionaire. I mean, I wouldn't mind. If you want to give me the money, that's fine. But my goal is not to be a billionaire. My goal is to help as many marriages as possible. And that's what we want to do for you. It absolutely is. Joe, we have a few more questions. Okay. You want to keep going? It's. I can't tell the time. It's about 1225. <laughs> okay. So we've we got take... five minutes to hit an hour. Okay. Let's take one more, at least one more question. Okay. In summary, this one person is saying, my wife left me a year ago and never gave a reason. There's no affair that this person knows of. There's nothing like that. And so what can you do when they've never given an explanation? Mm -hmm. Well, the fact that, was it a he or she that left? This is a he, or it's a him asking about his wife. Okay, the fact that she left is based on some reason. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's some reason that she did. You see, when people do things, they do because there's a motive. There, there's something driving that. Now, 
Interestingly, sometimes people don't themselves even know what that is. I mean, really they don't, um, but the motive exists. I mean, we, we, unless a person has some kind of a deep emotional or a psychological problem, they typically don't do things for absolutely no reason. You say, what? I mean, even if I go get a cup of tea out of the, out of the office, I, I mean, it's a reason. Sure. It could be the reasons because you want to see if people are in the kitchen to socialize. It could be because of the fact you're really thirsty. It could be because of the fact you like the taste of tea, but there's going to be some motivation. So therefore there is a reason. The fact that she's not telling you the reason means that she doesn't want you to know it. You say, well, why is that? Well, one possibility is she hasn't really figured it out herself because even when people have a reason, sometimes they're not honest with themselves, not introspective enough to know what the reasons are or it's the fact that she has told you really, but you haven't heard it. And typically not when she left, but she told you over the years, think back to the conversations where she said, I'm not happy. Now she may not have used that exact phraseology, but that was the conversation. I'm not happy. You likely either sloughed it off because that's what guys tend to do. Like, okay, okay. It'll be all right. Or you explain to her why she is happy. Oh, no, no, no. You should be really happy. I don't drink. I don't cuss. I don't go out and do all these terrible things. You're, you're happy. <laughs> That's what husbands do a lot, by the way, until one day, finally the wife walks out the door because it's like, you haven't heard a word I've said. And, and none of the things I've told you I'm unhappy about have been dealt with in any shape, fashion or form. So either step number one there was, or part number one was maybe she herself has not been honest with herself to know. That's why she didn't tell you. Step number two is because she has told you really repeatedly, but you didn't hear it. And she's not telling you now. It's because like, why, why say it again? You didn't hear it before. You won't hear it now. I'm frustrated telling, and I'm not going to tell it anymore. I've just gone. I'm out of here. The third could be because she's hiding something. You see, the basic principle is that people don't leave what they have unless they believe what they're going to is better. Let me say it again. People don't leave what they have unless they believe what they're going to is better. Now, if there's some secret lover out there, I'm not saying there is, I'm just giving an illustration. If there's some secret lover out there, it's because she sees being with him as being better with you. If there's some lifestyle change that became attractive to her that she couldn't do with you, then she sees that lifestyle as being better than being with you. You say, well, what do you mean? It can be things like uh, drinking. It could be things like going into parties. Uh, recently we heard a story about a woman that decided to go into the uh, lifestyle. I mean, she was going out to clubs and having sex with a bunch of different guys at night, but that lifestyle appealed to her. So it could be there's something out there. It could be she became part of a religious cult. I'm not saying she did. I'm just illustrating that said, you shouldn't live with that man because he's not part of our cult. In that case, she would leave you because she sees being in that cult as being better than being with you. Now you understand we could give a thousand illustrations there, but are you getting the principle that she still sees that as being better than being with you? Another thing can be if living with you was perceived by her to be so miserable that she sees living alone as being better than you. It's still the same principle. I don't leave what I have unless I believe what I'm going to is better. But if she really believes living with you was that miserable, if you were controlling, if, if you demonstrated a lot of anger, uh, if you just never paid attention to her and she felt like she was living alone in a home, even though you were eating the food and, and, and having to be cleaned up after or whatever, you understand that she could still see being alone as being better with you because living with you was miserable. Now that's back to the thing I've said before. Go back to all those little conversations. 
What did she complain about? What did she say before that you really didn't pay much attention to? The cause may be there. If it's not there, then there's something over here that's pulling her away from you that she sees as better. Is it always possible to discover what that is? No. Most of the time, almost all the time, it can be discovered with enough work. But sometimes you're never going to figure out what it is, and you'll be scratching your head five years from now saying, I don't know why she did that. So start with you. What about me would she want to be getting away from? Was I controlling? Was I dominating? Was I whatever? What kind of things has she been telling me I ignored? Okay, explore all that. Maybe you'll find the answer there. If not, what is there out here that she's able to do now she couldn't do living with me? I think I answered that in too much detail, but... Um, but it's even, always good. But even then, as much detail as I gave, I'm sure you're having questions like, well, how do I do this and how do I do that? Right. So we are about to go away because this program is about to end. But as we said before, that, that doesn't mean we stop being here for you at Marriage Helper or being able to answer your questions. So if you want more information about anything we've talked about, resources about the workshop, about how to talk to your spouse about the workshop, about coaching, online courses, whatever it might be, give us a call. Talk to some of our client relations representatives. All of them, their marriages have been saved because of Marriage Helper. Mm -hmm. So you can, the success is really out there. We are here for you, whatever you need this week, and we hope you have a great week. We hope that you are able to implement your pies to start working on you, and we'll look forward to seeing you next Monday at the same time.